Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. The e-commerce podcast is all about helping you to deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do just that, I am chatting with today's very special guest, Tom Coulser, who is the founder and CEO of Aweber about how to grow your online business using email marketing strategies. But before Tom and I get into that. Let me suggest a few other e-commerce podcast episodes that I think you're also going to enjoy listening to. Why not check out a recent episode with Dan Badai, The Secrets of Retaining Customers with Email Marketing. What a legend that guy is. And also check out How to Optimize Engagement Through Customer Lifestyle Marketing with Kath Pay. I still remember Kath Pay being in a very tropical location when we recorded that episode, so do check those out. You can find these and our entire archive of episodes on our website for free ecommercepodcast.net and on our website you can also sign up to our emails newsletter which I feel very good about given today's guest Uh, and each week we will email you uh, these links along with the notes and the transcript from today's conversation with Tom directly to your inbox totally free it's all good stuff it's all totally amazing now this episode is brought to you by the e-commerce cohort, which helps you deliver e-commerce well to your customers. You know what? I've come across a bunch of folks who find e-commerce, it's a bit of an overwhelming topic, shall we say. Uh, You've got to keep up with the tech, which changes so fast. How do you do customer service when everybody's tastes and habits are changing all of the time? And to top it all off, you've got to stay on top of all the latest marketing techniques and ideas. So we talk about all of these things, obviously on the e-commerce podcast. But for those of you in e-commerce, you should also check out ecommercecohort.com. It is a membership group for those who are in e-commerce and it does guided monthly sprints that cycle through all the key areas of e-com. You'll keep up to date. You'll be working on the key areas of your e-commerce business, including your marketing and email marketing like we're talking about today. So whether you are just starting out in e-commerce or if like me, you are a well-established e-commercer, I encourage you to get involved. Check it out, uh, ecommercecohort.com. That's ecommercecohort.com. Now, before I get into today's conversation, uh, I just want to just want to read out the bio that's in front of me. Tom is the founder and CEO of Aweber, the leading email marketing platform uh, and automation platform for small businesses, where he is actively involved in the company's strategic, that's not easy to say, company's strategic direction, growth and evolution. Over the company's 24 year history, Tom has nurtured Aweber from a small startup to a robust organization that we've all heard of, we all know about, and has enabled over 1 million customers to grow their businesses, all without public or venture funding. Go Tom, that's amazing. Tom, great to have you here on the e-commerce podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your, no doubt, insanely busy schedule to join us uh, here today. Thanks for having me on today, Matt. Looking oh, forward no to worries. the conversation. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great. So for those, you know, for the four people listening to the podcast that actually hasn't heard of Aweber, um, just tell us uh, what is Aweber and what do you guys do? 
Yeah, we're an email marketing platform. So think of us as the uh, you know automation behind communicating with your subscribers. So when you publish an email newsletter, you log into Aweber to create that newsletter and send that content out. Uh, when you think about you know automation sequences that people talk about or automated follow up. Our platform is the one that enables you to to do that. So when somebody clicks on a, an email or clicks on a link, you send a certain email. You know, they open a message, they don't open a message. You send a different email, etc. So mm. our platform is the one that enables the small businesses around the world to to be able to send those kind of uh, communications out to the people that requested them. Fantastic. Now, I'm kind of curious. Where did the name Aweber come from? Because it's not. <laughs> Well, it's, it's not—it's not what I would have named an email company. Do you know what I mean? It's not a sort of top, unless I'm missing something. Is that off the head? Yeah, yeah. So back in 90, 90, early '98, we were calling it the Automated Web Assistant, and it's oh, okay. before it launched. So now it's making more sense, eh? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. You know, automated web assistant is like a really long domain name, and that's just not particularly catchy. So it kind of got shortened, and it's like a web, a web ass. No, 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 bad, bad, bad website name. So it kind of turned. It just kind of turned into a weber. <laughs> And, you know, historically, it's it's one of those things. It's like it begins with an A. It's short. It's catchy. It's unique. Um, and, and it's just kind of a memorable thing when, when somebody hears it. We always capitalize the A and the W, but not the E because, you know, <laughs> it's not the uh, assistant part. But, uh, yeah, no, it's just... It, it was one of those kind of funny naming uh, historical bits yeah. that we hung on to. <laughs> That's really funny how that how these things sort of come about, isn't it? And the story. So, yeah, how did you get started? How did Aweber get started? Did you just wake up one day and think, I'm going to help people conquer the world of email? No, not at all. Uh, <laughs> I was actually uh, I was studying mechanical engineering in uh, college, and uh, I was. Um, I was selling this wireless modem. Uh, so this was back when we were still had dial-up modems wow. uh, for connecting to the internet. So like wireless technology that you could, yeah, yeah. you know, Velcro to the back of your laptop was uh, was you know the latest greatest thing. And I was selling this at computer shows, and I was basically a, a sales rep for it. And you know, in the process of being a college student. It's kind of lazy and <laughs> you know actually selling things required follow-up like i didn't just see them at the computer show and they instantly bought this expensive device and then paid for an expensive monthly service they had more questions or they weren't sold right away and you had to kind of follow up with them so i'd send these manual emails and that's a lot of work hence the lazy college student aspect i wrote a little uh program that would automatically send out the messages because 90% of the messages that I sent were the same message to mm. each of the different people. And I customized a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I wrote this and I ended up sharing it with other salespeople around the country that were selling the same product. Um, and my payment for that was send me the messages that are working. I want to know what copy works because that was not something I was particularly good at. So we shared them and I would share them off to other people. And we all sold more as a result of both this automated email tool and sharing copy that mm -hmm. worked. So we had the right messaging. One thing led to another. I ended up leaving that company to focus on school. Uh, somebody was telling me that was important, parents. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I stopped running the program that was sending out all the automated follow-ups for all these other people around the country. And they started coming to me saying, hey, I'll pay you for that thing that I was previously getting for free. And I was like, hmm, 
maybe there's a business here. Maybe. Just um, maybe. And that turned into our automated web assistant uh, that turned into a Weber. <laughs> Many years later, here we are. Wow. It's funny, isn't it, how... Um, when can I ask? When was it you wrote this first little program? So it was like ninety seven. Ninety seven. So in ninety eight. In ninety eight, I wrote my first ever website. It was around ninety seven, okay. ninety eight, and then uh -huh. that sort of one thing led to another, and that I ended up writing an e commerce site, and then that led to something else, and then that led to something, and then here I am today, right? And I find it fascinating, uh, Tom, that you kind of the amount of journeys that start off with. I was in college or I was at uni or I was young, had a lot of time on my hands and I just played yep. around with dot, dot, dot. And 20 years later, here I am, dot, dot, dot. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of really fascinating story to me. And that seems to be yours, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. At the time I was, you know, single and uh, racing bicycles uh, kind of on the amateur level. So if I was either not uh you know not in school or not riding my bike i was sitting in front of a computer uh messing around with code and you know just seeing what i could kind of hack away on i was part of a number of uh different like kind of newsletters i moderated a newsletter that basically took kind of entrepreneurial just something that was always interesting to me so i kind of i i created this little ecosystem around me that was other entrepreneurs uh, so when I ultimately I kind of launched a Weber to a larger group, I launched it to this group of entrepreneurs that were in other businesses. And I, you know, instantly had traction as a result of that because I they already knew who I was. Like yeah. I, I had some element of validation, even though I was very upfront in the fact that I was a college student. I was still figuring this out. But I had developed this thing that was really useful for a lot of people. And they instantly saw the value in that and became customers. So, you know, and I think there's 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 this path that happens for a lot of businesses that, um, you know, just getting a little bit of traction in where you're actually adding value and solving your own problems, but solving other people's problems is yeah. really, really, you know, is is really the point that you need to get. I think a lot of the media obsesses around entrepreneurs that raise money as like you know this this level of mm. success and it's like i've never looked at that as a point of success it's like okay i convinced a small board of people to give me a whole lot of money that's very different than convincing a whole lot of businesses that the thing that you're selling is valuable and they want to give yeah, you money. Yeah. it's two completely different dichotomies and and i think the press and the the general public you know, kind of romanticizes raising a whole bunch of money, which to me is just like a ticking time bomb because eventually if you don't have customers paying for whatever it is that you're selling, mm -hmm. that money runs out Yeah, and you have to do some big changes, either raise more money, sell the company, fold, whatever, versus building a, a, a business in a company that kind of has legs and can mm -hmm. stand on its own two feet and continue to grow and, you know, perpetuate for as as long as as long as those customers find value yeah. in what you're selling no i agree i think it's um i think like you say it's been overhyped the whole raising finance thing and it's it's got it's it's got problems right it's not all glamorous and um i i know like with our um e-commerce we sold a big e-commerce business last year I, I have another one uh still running both of Congrats. those companies oh yeah thanks uh, both of those right um I have a very simple philosophy in that whatever stock we have, we own. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't buy stock on invoice. I don't um, I don't do that. I, I prepay for everything. If that, I mean, the site we have now, mm -hmm. we manufacture, so we definitely got to pay for everything. But before, when we had the beauty site, I, everything on our shelves we owned. And so when you, in effect, hit those problems, when there was downturns, I didn't have to con concern myself with trying to scramble to find the cash to pay the invoices as well right. as payroll. And there's something to be said certainly from my point of view about, I just call it organic growth, the ability just to go out, find some more customers, serve those customers, use the profits from that and go and mm -hmm. find more customers, right? So is that, it sounds like that's what you've done. Have I understood that right? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, you know, we're through and through a bootstrap company. So we've never raised outside funding. Um, and, you know, we serve future customers based on the profits from from past customers and the revenue that they're paying us. So, mm. you know, at the end of the day, like our costs are very different than, you know, a, a traditional kind of, you know, inventory type business. Like I don't have inventory sitting around. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of, you know, when you look at raising funds and so forth, it's, it's the... Um, you know, it's the dichotomy of how you're leveraging the business to grow. You know, we've certainly grown slower as a result of that. Um, I think in ways that, you know, were both my own comfort zone, um, as well as in ways that I think change a company's kind of DNA. Mm -hmm. Um, when you grow too fast, you know, if I doubled head you know, I doubled our team size this year, like that's going to impact the way that our team members talk to each other and how they relate to one another and how company culture passes from one to the other. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that those things have to be balanced as, uh, you know, as you grow a company over the years or you kind of lose who you are and what makes you special. Um, I don't know. It's just there's lots of things to think about, but that's just kind of some of the stuff that I've balanced over the years. You know, if I yeah. at the same time, like if I went back to the beginning, I ran everything myself for the first two years. I didn't hire anyone until we had it was like twenty three or twenty four hundred customers. Like I had oh, wow. over two thousand paying customers. I'm writing code. I'm doing marketing. I'm doing all the customer service. It's basically during the day I did all customer service, and at night I did marketing, PR, you know, writing new mm -hmm. code, etc. And it was like, it was, I look back on it, it was like, that's insane. Why did I do that? But for me, it was like, okay, at what point can I get to a revenue component where I can feel really confident that I can support another person's livelihood? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, it was like, well, hiring somebody, like, that's scary. How do I do that? Like, how do I even physically do that? And it's like, you know, it's really not that hard when you look back on it. But as a new entrepreneur and having never done that before, it's like, that's you know it's it's a barrier and you have yeah, to get through that yeah so oh no it sounds i mean i i could wax lyrical with you all afternoon i think about just how you how you build the business and, and the learnings from that i find the whole thing fascinating it's why between you and me and i don't think i've mentioned this before in the econ podcast we're launching a second podcast called push in fact by the time this airs push will be out push to be more uh, where I just talk to leaders about how they've led. I, I love it. It's great. The fascinating conversations. Nice. Uh, we'll have to get you on that one as well. Now, um, let's talk about e-commerce because, you know, that's why people have tuned in, really. <laughs> <laughs> let's, um, let's, uh, so you've obviously been around email. Well, you've been around email longer than I've been around e I started in e-commerce in 2002. So you've been in email longer than I've been in e-commerce. So, you know, uh, sent a lot of emails. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you actually tried to calculate how many emails you have been responsible for being sent? 
Oh gosh, it, it's it's not quite trillions yet, but it's hundreds of billions. <laughs> so it's it's, it's a lot of emails. It's so, crazy. And I and I like to always make sure that I preface that with it's permission based emails. We don't send emails that people don't request. So you have to have permission to send emails. So we're yeah. we're not we try very hard to not be part of the spam problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, years ago, spam wasn't a problem. Obviously, when you first started out, it wasn't. People were no, I would say it definitely about- was. Like it's always okay. been a contingent of something that we've had to deal with. Uh, you know, the, there was there were different rules. Like there was a lack of rules back then. I've always looked at spam and you know the unsolicited email as you know taking care of the email ecosystem. You know, if we do things as a platform that trashes the viability of email as a marketing platform or as a communication platform. You know, it's it's kind of like you know biting the hand that feeds you, and that that expression. Mm. It's like why you know why would I want to make that a useless platform? Because ultimately, then businesses aren't going to invest in it. E- email has really remained one of the top investments for businesses from a return on investment standpoint. You know, every dollar, you know, gets turned into thirty four dollars according to the Direct Marketing Association and mm-hmm. on you know investment in email. So it's it's one of those things that done right. It can be really profitable. Can really connect with your users in ways that you just can't do across social and and other platforms that are yeah. out there. At the same time, like you own your audience. You know, it's like everyone's got every other business's logo on their website these days. It's subscribe to my YouTube. You know, s- follow me on Twitter. Like me on Facebook. Like. You know, you name name them off. Even now, it's you know, follow my podcast on Apple and you know, mm-hmm. fourteen different platforms. And it's like, as a business, we don't own any of those platforms. If one of those plat, like if Twitter decides they don't want you publishing on Twitter anymore, goodbye, audience. Yeah. I can't take my Twitter following and like import them into a new platform and continue to communicate with them. Whereas email. You own the email address, like they belong to you. You can export them from our platform or any other platform that you're sending those email from and continue to send to those subscribers from a different platform. So if we, for some reason, decide that whatever it is that you're doing is not appropriate on our platform, you can continue to do that somewhere else. Yeah, You can't, you don't have that same leverage with Facebook. It's very mm. much this, you know, when I go back to, you know, the 90s and the early 2000s, it's the same way everyone was trying to build platform around AOL and getting, you know, people to, to kind of follow you in that closed ecosystem that was the paywall behind AOL. That was really kind of the leading you know, a, a leading indicator of what then turned into all of these other platforms that are out there with Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm, and YouTube mm-hmm. and so forth, in that you have to play exclusively by their rules. And if you don't, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that, and you have no recovery. Um, so it's a it's a balance. And and I look at email as, as something that is more transferable, more ownable, um, has higher, longer-term economics, you know, and email subscribers worth far more than a Twitter follower, a you know Facebook follower, yeah. etc. So. I, to- I totally agree, and it's what I mean. I like what you said there. How um, I mean, I was I was joking or jesting in some respects, saying email. You've been doing email longer than I've been doing e-commerce, and it sure I wasn't doing Twitter. I wasn't doing Facebook. I wasn't doing. They didn't even exist when I was when I first started out in business. But yeah. email did, and email is still by far the biggest return on our investment from a marketing point of view, and it's like. I, people ask me all the time, what do you think about dot, 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 and this latest technique or this fancy idea over here? And you go, well, listen, have you got the basics done 
Right, what are the basics? Well, let's talk about your website and let's talk about your email marketing, right? They've been around since the start of e-commerce and they're still here. Um, but obviously email has, has changed, it's adapted, it's evolved over time. I mean, what are some of the things that you've noticed sort of change in the email marketing world? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, you know, overall changes, you know, when I first started, you know, messages were it was just a subject line and plain text. And mm -hmm. now you've got obviously HTML email where you can make, you know, an email have images and, you know, it can look like, you know, a lot of businesses send these brochure type emails. I don't generally recommend most businesses send those, uh, mm -hmm. you know, use email as more of a personal communication platform than um, you know, then just sending out brochure where, you know, it's, it's, what would you want to get from businesses? Um, you know, there's lots of up, upcoming things that, you know, a lot of businesses haven't even heard about yet. There's something called amp for email, um, that normally when you send out an HTML email, you know, the content that I write and then hit send on is the content that you as a subscriber receive and see. And no matter how long after you go back and read that same email, it will look the same in your inbox. Mm -hmm. AMP for email is actually a, um, you've probably heard for about AMP uh, when it comes to website load times and yeah, Google yeah. and so forth. It's a protocol that, that Google originally developed. Um, but what it essentially allows you to do is as a sender, I can make parts of my email dynamic. So think um, you subscribe to a stock newsletter and you get in, in, you know, they list off different stocks. And when they send that, you know, Google's trading in, I don't even know what it's trading at right now. Let's call it $1,000 <laughs> a share. Um, and, uh, you know, tomorrow when you read it, their shares might be $1,000, you know, $1,020. Mm -hmm. um, and AMP for email would allow it to pull in the real time uh, stock, you know, quote for that. So in the e-commerce world, think of, you know, you send out a promotion for mm. a particular widget and you sell out of that widget. Well, now you've got all this, you've got these emails that you sent to, let's call 5,000 subscribers. You know, a thousand of them saw and, you know, went and bought your widget, but then 4,000 haven't opened yet, but you sold out of that widget. With AMP for email, what I could do is I could actually replace that widget A in the email with a widget B so the other 4,000 that hadn't opened it yet still have the opportunity to see something of value wow. that they could potentially purchase versus a, like, you know, clicking on the link and then going, oh, it's sold out. Um, so That's it's, amazing. it's, there's some really cool stuff. There's, uh, you know, is that out some, yet? Um, for email? Yeah, absolutely. It's supported on a number of platforms, Google, obviously. And for most e-commerce businesses, it, that's, you know, um, a good 40 to 60%, sometimes 70% mm -hmm. of, of a lot of subscribers lists or a lot of businesses lists. Um, and there's other platforms that are, that are building in support for Yahoo has support for it. Um, and as well as others are, are in the process of adding it. Um, but that's a, a really cool technology. You know, we're going to see buying things in the actual email very soon, uh, instead of having to go off to another website. Uh, to to do the actual checkout process and because it's all validated because I know I sent it to you as a subscriber you know if you already have payment details on file you could potentially even you know accept an order without having to make the user enter a credit card number because mm -hmm. you've already got it on file and it's authenticated that you sent it to that particular recipient so there's some really really cool things that you can do 
Uh, right. We've implemented it in a lot of our own newsletters as like surveys. Uh -huh. So like when you fill out the survey, you, you actually click the buttons in the email. And when you hit submit on that, you're still in the email and it shows you the results of, you know, whatever survey that we sent out, um, you know, and, and whoever's responded to it uh, so far. So it, it turns email from what was this static thing yeah. into a more dynamic um, and interactive process. And that's really what is key with email and getting, you know, good results with email is it all comes back to engagement. Uh, and when I think, of, you know, when I say engagement, that means, you know, whether or not somebody opens an email, whether or not somebody clicks on links and goes to your website in the email. Um, but it, so those are the two, like, as an email marketer, those are the two metrics that businesses yeah. often look at as engagement. But there's a lot of other things, if you think past that, that you know, Google and Microsoft and Yahoo are looking at that kind of count as engagement. So think, um, you know, do you forward that email to somebody else? Do you reply to that email? Um, do you, uh, you know, when you open it, do you scroll down? Is the mm -hmm. message bigger than my window? Do I scroll down? You know, when you're reading on Gmail, let me tell you, Google sees all those things. They keep yeah, track yeah. of all of those things. And that feeds into um, the... Uh, their algorithms as far as what emails they're going to show you in the future, but it's also setting that kind of engagement reputation for whether or not your messages continue to show up in the inboxes of all the other people that they sent that you sent to. Um, you know, do you then save that email to a different folder or label it in Gmail or Yahoo or wherever it happens to be? So there's all these different kind of cues that mailbox providers get from every interaction with your messages? Do they delete it? Do they mark it as spam, yeah. et cetera? So there's a lot of things that businesses do that are, you know, when you, when you put that engagement hat on that are actually hurting that ability to, to interact. So, you know, how many businesses, particularly in the e-commerce space, have addresses that they send out to that are kind of the, the what we call them as no reply emails? And, and I always call those, you know, the, the middle finger email address. Yeah. <laughs> because You've got this email, don't ever come back to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like, crazy. give me your money and, and go <clears throat> yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, you know, that's, that's not how I as, you know, when I get messages in my inbox and it's like, I have a question about something. It's like, oh, crap. Like, how do I get this question answered? I got to go to their website. I got to figure out how to contact yeah. them. Like, just let me reply to the darn email you just sent me. You're yeah. in my inbox. It's literally a com two-way communication platform, and yeah. you're just giving me the finger and telling me to go yeah. away. It's, it's the craziest the, thing. I, I, the, I, I've never understood, Tom, why people have done that. Um, it's, it's so, so common. So it's, yeah. it's the give, give me your money and go away kind of cue. And yeah. it's, not, it's not a good way to build engagement with your audience. You know, it's one, of the, it's one of the most simple tricks that a lot of really good publishers, particularly at the like, you know, smaller level is when somebody subscribes to their newsletter, particularly in the like kind of creator economy folks is, you know, are writing based on, on what mm. their audience's needs are is, hey, what's your, what's your biggest struggle right now? Just hit reply and, and let me know. Mm. And while yes, that's gonna generate email volume to you, it's also a great stream of ideas uh, mm -hmm. for content for you to write. It's as an e-commerce vendor, it's potentially great ideas for yeah. products that you could bring that you might not have. Or um, it's also great for uh, 
uh, increase, you know, improving your content on your website mm -hmm. by using the terminology that your own customers are using to describe their problems. So there's a yeah, lot of things that you can do with that. And at the same time, you're signaling to Google and others yeah. that like, hey, they want my email and they're engaging with what I'm sending, which is really valuable. So if, um, I don't know if this, I'm getting too into the detail now. I, 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 you've got me thinking, maybe I need to set up an email address which says, yes, you can reply to this at whatever.com. Uh, <laughs> but you get the replies from your customers. You send you know emails out and they, you encourage them mm -hmm. to hit reply for all the reasons you mentioned, but you're all valid. Does that m mean then that Google's going 60, 70% of email going through Google, you say, and Google are looking at that going, this guy's got a little bit of engagement. People are responding, people are replying. Therefore, does the deliverability of my emails increase? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you think about like, so deliverability means a couple of different things and it's often uh, misquoted in the marketplace. So like, you know, when you think about a social platform, you know, if I have a thousand people following me on Twitter and I post something on Twitter, maybe 10% of those people are gonna actually see that and it'll actually mm. show up in their stream. You know, when I send an email, if I sent that email to a thousand people, if I only delivered it to a hundred people, we'd have a lot of really ticked off customers. <laughs> so yeah. like deliverability, there, there's a component of delivering it to the platform. And those numbers are usually in the 98, 99 percentile as far as, you know, those are all the addresses that are valid and we've removed mm -hmm. any of the addresses that aren't valid, meaning, you know, the address unknown and those sort of things. Um, so the deliver, so that's one component that's often called deliverability. Most businesses, you know, when you're thinking about it as a sender, are thinking deliverability as to what percentage of my mail goes from me to somebody's inbox. Mm -hmm. um, and that is the whether or not your messages go to the inbox is based on your engagement. And the more yeah. you can have an audience that is highly engaged, meaning they're opening, clicking, replying, filing them away and saving them for later, the more likely your messages are going to go continue to go to the inbox. You know, one thing that we often get, particularly from e-commerce merchants is my emails go to the promotions folder and they yeah. think in their head like, oh, no, it's the spam folder. Promotions folder is definitely not the spam folder. They're two very different beasts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our e-commerce platform senders that that go to the promotions folder, um, they get better results because they're there versus being in the inbox because when people go to the when they look at their promotions folder they're in a mm -hmm. buying mood versus in the inbox it's like well i want i want to read my email from matt that where matt and i were talking about what we just did this weekend yeah you know it's a different kind of thing and at the same time as an e-commerce sender you know we often get the question like well why is my email going to the promotions folder and it's like well um you're sending promotions. So that's, that's, Google's kind of good at what they do. So uh, yeah, that's where it goes. Um, you know, and if the yeah, content yeah. that you send is always promotions, it's always buy, 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 buy. You know, here's my latest listings. Here's my coupons for my grocery store. Whatever it happens mm -hmm. to be, you know, you're going to go to the promotions folder. Um, you know, one of the newsletters that that uh, that I subscribe to that you know you could think about as a um, you know, as an e-commerce sender, I, I, it's uh, called the, the Lyft eFoil. And it's mm. a company out of Puerto Rico, and they make these cool, like, um, it's like a surfboard with an electric motor on the bottom, and it kind of, like, flies mm -hmm. out of the water. Oh, and I wow. bought one a few years ago, and I'm on their newsletter as a customer, and they send me product updates. But the reason that I engage with those product updates is because they also link off to YouTube videos and Instagram videos and those sort of things in their emails 
that are about other customers riding the the Lyft efoil in different parts of the world that are really cool and beautiful or people doing cool tricks on them that I haven't figured out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it's like, it keeps me engaged as a yeah. customer. And, oh, hey, by the way, they've also got you know some new foils or a new motor or something that I can put on it. And I've bought a few of those because it's, it's topical to me. But where does their email go? It comes to my inbox because it's mostly content that is non-promotional and right. it's also content that I engage with. I click those links, I, you know, it's like, and like at this point, it's like, oh, where are they now? Like, that's really cool. Yeah. Like, or, you know, what what trick am I going to learn this week that I can't do? And I'm going to spend all summer bashing my head trying to figure out how to do it. Um, so it's not a case then of because um, there's a belief, isn't there, that sort of flirts around, which says if I send plain text emails, I'll go into their inbox. Uh, and no. if I send HTML, I'm going into the promotions tab. That's not that's not no, right. no. No, if you sell things in your plain text message, you're going to end up going in the promotions folder. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, right, you say Google know what they're doing. They've they've yeah, seen every trick, right? Absolutely. So, and you've got to th- you've got to understand they're also seeing all of the content that you're sending in total. So, you know, you'll get you know sometimes you'll get businesses that are like, oh, you know, I went to this trade show and and I got a thousand names of people that opted in to receive emails from all the vendors that were at the trade show, and it's like, okay, you were at the trade show. There were about fifty different vendors there. Do you want fifty different vendors sending you emails as a result of having gone to the trade show? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I know I don't, mm-hmm. but these businesses look at it as a shortcut to like gain subscribers. Yeah. But think about this. So put your Google hat on. Okay, that that particular business might have been, let's call it, they were sending to 5,000 people before. And on Monday, they come back from their conference and they have a thousand names and they import them and they're now sending 6,000 people an email. Most businesses don't grow organically by whatever percent that is, you know, 20% overnight. Like they don't instantly get another thousand subscribers. Google knows, you know, they may only see a percentage of that. So let's say they were seeing 2,500 subscribers that you were sending before. And now with this new imported list, you magically got another 500 names. Yeah, They know that those names have never gotten emails from you before. And they're judging where to send those emails from an inbox perspective based on what the you know, 2,000 or 2,500 were that that were already seeing those emails. So if those users were engaging with those messages, those new people might be likely to see them or they might send them to spam just because it's like, that doesn't look organic. You know, when we look at most businesses growth, it just kind of, it's a nice steady uptick of of Mm. subscribers over time. They don't, they don't jump up in, in big, you know, big jumps. That's not organic, and that is more than likely them doing something that is not permission based mm. and is going to cause problems. So it's you know so there's there's a balance in in you know making sure that as an email sender and as a business, you put your customer hat on and think of what would you like to receive in your inbox. Your emails are not special. The entire planet does not want what you send just because it comes from you. I I hate to, you know, that applies to my emails, that applies to your emails, that applies to all of our listeners' Mm. emails here. (laughs) They're not special. We need to earn our way into Mm. people's inboxes and earn our ability to stay in their inboxes. 
Yeah, so. that's such an important... We should maybe change the title of the podcast to Your Emails Are Not Special. Uh, I think that's <laughs> such a valid point. So what would be some of the the tips, Tom, that you would give to an e-commerce business? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an e-commerce guy. I'm sat here, I'm listening to you, uh, and I'm thinking, this is all great, and um, I, I get some of the stuff you're saying. How does that help me when I come to sit down and, and start planning my email content? What are some of the things that I should be thinking about? Yeah, I think in the e-commerce space, I think a lot of people think about prospecting and like, buy, 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 buy now. Um, mm. And you know, most people, most e-commerce vendors get most of their subscribers from new customers. It's very rare from what I generally see th that somebody comes to an e-commerce website and opts into your email list. Mm -hmm. So, you know, usually those opt-ins are coming from your customers and you're actually yeah. emailing customers. So, you know, going back to like that lift, the, the e-foil, you know, how can I educate people with the emails that I send about the product that they just purchased from me? Make them better consumers and more educated consumers of the product that they just bought make them smart, you know, is, is what I, yeah. you know, when you, when you make me feel like an expert at doing whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm going to come back to you because you make me look smart. That, that's a feel, that's a feel good emotion. Yeah. And I'm more likely to go back to you again about, you know, buying your products. You know, if you sell me some fancy hair product and you teach me how to use it more effectively than, you know, me going to the grocery store and buying something, I'm more likely to continue to come back to you because you're going to continue to make my life better as, as a result. And that's where, you know, during that educational process is where you cross sell, you mm. know, Hey, you bought the shampoo, but you didn't get the conditioner, you know, like, you know, what other things can you do if you're a golf store? Like, okay, you bought new clubs. Well, did you get a bag for your new clubs? Or are you ragging around your new clubs in your old ratty bag? You know, like how can you cross sell appropriate things to people? And with, you know, with, with uh, tools, like, you know, we have uh, conditional content so I can, I can save, what it is that you bought and put content in in each email that i send out that is specific to each user so you know it, it, it's a little more work to do it if you have yeah. hundreds or thousands of SKUs. but if you have a limited number of SKUs, it's easier to personalize the content that you're sending out to people and make it very very personal and very relevant to each subscriber whereas you might have kind of wrapper text around it that's more generic but then you have something that's specific to each individual user that's going to get that engagement. And even though you're sending a customer newsletter to a thousand people, there might be, you know, 15 different iterations that actually only took an extra 10 or 15 minutes to put together because it's not hard to do. It's all in one email as a sender, mm. you send one email and the, you know, the back end at Aweber or whatever platform you're using is it's doing the magic part. It's um, figuring it all out. That's really interesting. Now, so, sort of scooting back up to some of the things that you mentioned earlier, um, you talked about you know how you'll be buying things soon, uh, directing your email. Hopefully, how far mm -hmm. away are we from that? Depending, so um, I, it is technically possible now. Um, the tools, I'd say, on the like. You know, business kind of consumer end of things aren't at, aren't quite there yet. Like we don't have something built into our platform to do that yet. Mm -hmm. um, but I see it coming very shortly. So I'd say in the next like twelve months, you should be able oh, to wow. do that on, on the like you know easy sign up for a service. Hey, I can send out an email and yeah. you know all all the transaction stuff just kind of magically works. 
Um, so the, t the tech is there, it just needs a few more kind of integration points. Um, why, do, why do you think, um, I was curious to, to understand this, you know, you, you've got uh, in the world of e-commerce, you've got a lot of changes that have happened from a technological point of view, right? Uh, where I mm -hmm. think about what e-commerce sites were like back in 2002 to what they are now. And they're poles apart and they're very different. Um, but email, like you say, seems to have been quite static. You know, we went from plain text emails to, oh, I can put my logo in a picture of me. Oh, I can add a picture of a product. But really... Has there been sort of any key innovation? I like what you've been talking about with AMP, where you can make it a bit more dynamic. I like what you're talking about yeah. with shopping cart. That all seems quite recent. Do you know what I mean? It seems like it's been it's been static for a while. Do you know why that is? Um, it's it, I, I would say to a great extent, a lot of that is the um, uh, the the dispersed nature of email. In that, like, no one platform owns email. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there isn't a central, you know, Google's probably the closest to, to it in that it, a lot of people have email boxes at, at Google. So kind of what they do becomes kind of the standard. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened behind the scenes and platforms like Aweber try to remove that from something that, um, you know, our business, our customers need to think about. So like authentication is a big mm. uh, thing that we do. Um, you know, we push uh, folks to make sure that they're uh, doing what's called DKIM keys, D-K-I-M. Um, and that's basically just a way that, uh, it, best way to describe it is, is it's a way for you to make an entry on your website or on your domain that tells a provider like Google that yes, these are authorized emails coming from my platform. So it allows, it, you know, it prevents people from pretending to be you, from spoofing mm -hmm. to be you, um, which again, helps your email reputation as, as a sender. So we encourage all of our uh, users to sign their emails with DKIM and we try to make that really easy and kind of walk them through how to mm -hmm. do that. Only takes like 10 minutes to do, but it's a good step to do. Um, there are other tools that kind of layer on top of that. There's something called BIMI, uh, B-I-M-I. Mm -hmm. And that is, um, oh, Josh, I should know what, uh, uh, it's like brand indicators. I'm blanking on it at the moment. It's Monday. Give me a pass. Um, <laughs> but basically what for, for everybody that's listening, it basically means the ability for you to put a logo next to your email in the mm -hmm. inbox. So before somebody actually opens your email, when you're looking at your email in, in Yahoo or in mm -hmm. uh, Mac mail and those sort of things, you'll see that little indicator down the side that'll have a, you know, your business logo yeah. um, there. And that's, a, it's a way of, of displaying that, outside of the Google ecosystem. So you might see that if you're in Google, you're just seeing the Google kind of avatar. Mm -hmm. um, but outside of, of Google's ecosystem, there wasn't a way for people to do that in an authenticated and secure way. And Bimmy is a tool for doing that. Um, so that again is something that we encourage uh, mm -hmm. businesses to, to publish. So there's a lot of things that are kind of behind the scenes, but at the end of the day, like an email is an email, it's a subject line and some body content and what you send in that you know is really up to every business um and and i think you know trying to make sure that you're sending as personalized content as possible and that's where the, like the tech and i think a lot of the changes have come is yeah. how you go about doing that personalization whereas before you know it was like i had one subject line and one set of body copy and 
everybody on my list got exactly the same thing. Now it can be completely dynamic and completely different for literally every single subscriber based on their preferences. Um, and it's not that much extra work for a business to actually send out emails that are that relevant mm. um, when you when you've you know kind of tagged and and uh, you know segmented your yeah. user base over time. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, geez, Tom, I'm. <laughs> I'm aware of time, first and foremost, uh, and I'm aware that I've still got 25 questions to ask you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I guess a lot of people have actually uh, about email marketing because it has been around since the dawn of e-commerce. And it is still one of those things that people just don't get right. And it's a phenomenal thing. So if people have questions, if people wanna reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, you can find us at aweber.com. Uh, I'm on all the social places. You can find me on Twitter at uh, T. Colzer. Uh, you can email me at tomk at aweber.com. Um, and, you know, you can give, give Aweber a shot. We have a freemium offering for up to 500 subscribers. So if you don't have a subscribe form on your website, put one. <laughs> it's a very minimum. One, yeah. one going away tip here I'll have for everybody. When someone subscribes to your email, if on your confirmation page, after someone hits, you know, enters their email address and hits submit, the page that comes up after that is often this barren wasteland of nothingness is like, hey, thanks for subscribing. Put something for your audience to buy on there. So like yeah. in your, you know, in your case, Matt, you know, put something about your e-commerce cohort on there yeah. so that people have an opportunity to see what else you're doing they're more if they've just broken out their email address their credit card is really only one step away from that yeah. uh and it's not that much farther away and we often see you know businesses that didn't have something on that thank you page generating 10 20 30 percent additional revenue just from that single page because it gets so much traffic and because those users are so much higher engaged than other people on your website yeah top tip i like that uh, we will. De I'll, I'll be checking with our marketing team now. I'm going to go and fill out some forms <laughs> on our websites. Oh, I wonder what it tells me. Um, Tom, thank you so much for coming on to the e-commerce podcast, man. It's been great to meet you. Great to hear your uh, insight and thoughts. And more than anything, if I'm honest, it's just lovely to hear your passion is still there for obviously for email, uh, even after all of these years. And that's actually something quite special. So um, thank you for coming and sharing it with us uh, on the e-commerce podcast. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's been fun. Oh, no worries, man. No worries. So let's play the music. There we go. <laughs> Thanks again uh, to Tom for joining me here on the podcast. Uh, listen, if you've signed up for our emails newsletter, one of the things that will be winging its way to you as this podcast goes live uh, is the transcripts and notes from today's conversation. If you don't have that, you can head over to ecommercepodcast.net. You can read it. You can get all the notes, all of the links to Tom and to Aweber and to all that sort of stuff. And of course, you can sign up for our emails newsletter. And I'm... Let's see what happens when you fill it in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, let's have a look at that. Uh, so, uh, big shout out to today's show sponsor, the ecommercecohort.com. Do head over to ecommercecohort.com for more information about this new type of community which you can join. Be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcasts from because 
we've got even more great conversations lined up just like today's with Tom and I don't want you to miss any of them and in case no one has told you yet today dear listener you are awesome yes you are it's just a burden we all have to bear uh, you me Tom just the way it is. Uh, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon, Josh Catchpole, Estelle Robin, and Tim Johnson. Our theme song has been written by Josh Edmondson and my good self. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, ecommercepodcast.net is where you need to head to. So that's it from me and from Ton. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the e-commerce podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.